0: I have something to say. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorsett. Especially if you're reading my new book, Crucify My Love, or my new-ish book, The Chain, which is available over at Wattpad. I'm putting up the edited chapters after they've been finished. I'm currently in the middle of a rewrite, and it's been a very interesting experience because I'm writing, editing, posting. Writing, editing, posting. It's been kind of a fun experience. On today's show... We're going to have a conversation about the movie Saving Mr. Banks and how it relates to art, our own history, and the stories we tell ourselves about others. Because this movie did things to me. We'll we'll talk in a minute. So brace yourself for spoilers. If you haven't seen it, there will be spoilers in this conversation today. So. Before we get into all that, if you haven't already, please rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot, especially if you leave a little review. It tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people, and the more people, the bigger the community, the bigger the community, the more chance we have for conversation, like the one we're going to have on Wednesday. Which is a topic that one of you brought to me via the voice messages that I think will be fun, but that'll be on Wednesday. Anyway. Okay. So my husband has been a thousand miles away at his parents' 50th anniversary. Um, I didn't go for a couple reasons. One, um, I didn't know who would watch her. We didn't have anybody to watch the animals. I hate flying. I've been in a plane crash, which I think I've talked about on the podcast before. So I really don't like flying. And, you know, It was hard to afford one plane ticket, and nearly impossible to get one plane ticket. And so, you know, we couldn't have afforded for me to go if I wanted to. So, I was sitting down the other night, and I wanted to watch something. But, you know, I wanted to watch something happy, something that would be fun. And I saw that Saving Mr. Banks was on Netflix. And it's a movie that I kind of wanted to see, because... You know, I'm already, I thought, spoiled about the movie because I had watched many reviews and many conversations about it when it first came out. So I I was already ready to be upset about how they changed the relationship between P.L. Travers and Walt Disney because they had a very contentious relationship and it did not end well. She was never happy with Mary Poppins and famously walked out of the premiere and I knew that they had changed that. And they'd really done a lot to kind of bolster the image of Walt Disney with this movie. But it it's Tom Hanks. He's a great actor. I like watching Tom Hanks movies. It's Emma Thompson. I like watching Emma Thompson movies. It's got Paul Giamatti in it. Who doesn't like Paul Giamatti? Right? Jason Schwartzman's in it. Who doesn't like a Jason Schwartzman's movie? And it's one of the few movies with Jason Schwartzman in it that I hadn't seen. So I kind of felt like... I needed to watch it as a completist. Oh, there's a lot that they didn't tell me about this movie. And, yeah. So, if you have not seen Saving Mr. Banks and you do not want to be spoiled, I think you should be spoiled. I do. I think that this is a movie that requires a content warning that it does not have. And it should have. So... I I think the things that we're going to talk about, even if you haven't seen it, you need to be warned that they're going to be in there because I I knew that they had sugarcoated the relationship between them. I thought I was going into this for a happy Disney movie that sanitized the relationship between these two people. And I got a very different movie. So I, I, I personally think that if you don't want spoilers, you should still listen. But, you know, to each their own. Spoilers are incoming in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Now, P.L. Travers is not, like, on my list of absolute favorite writers, and that's not a knock on her. I've never read the original Mary Poppins books. I don't know if I would have the same feelings about them that I have about, like, Frank L. Baum's Wizard of Oz books, which I absolutely love, or, you know, the Roald Doll books, which I grew up with. I, I don't know. I, I've never read any of the original books. So I, I feel like i say that I don't know much about her just because, you know, I haven't felt the need to know much about her and not because of like any kind of personal dislike of her. But the movie takes place in kind of two time periods. One is when she was a child and the other with Disney trying to get the movie made and she famously did not want to sell the rights to Mary Poppins and regretted having done so and like I said going into this I already knew that they had changed the story so that she and Walt have kind of a coming together moment and she ends up liking Mary Poppins at the end and they all live happily ever after. I already knew that they had changed history. What I did not know, and this is the thing that you should be warned about before you watch this movie. There are things that need a content warning. Because trigger warnings are important. Especially for people like me who are currently going through a nice, wonderful bout of depression. Her mother tries to commit suicide in this movie by drowning herself in a river and Travers as a little girl has to swim out into the river to save her mother. And I was not ready for that. That was not something that I had signed up for going into this film because it's a fricking Disney film you don't expect Disney films to, you know, have suicide attempts in them. And that really should have been called out on something like the I'm I'm sorry, that I know some people think that, you know, trigger warnings are for soft people, but I am somebody who suffers from depressive thoughts, I have had suicidal ideation and it's not something I choose to expose myself to because especially when I'm watching a movie for the specific purpose of cheering myself up because I expected it just to be a happy Disney movie because all the reviews that I read about this talked about how it just buddied up the relationship between them and it did and it overall is a very uplifting movie but surprise mom suicide attempt that was just too much I mean that I that, that that made my life a lot harder last night and I think everybody should know that that's in this movie. Beyond that, she does save her mom. So, if that makes a difference for you. But yeah, and her father dies of I don't know. I'm thinking tuberculosis. The symptoms that they're showing look like TB. Um, but they also make him out to be an alcoholic, so it could be you know something related to his alcoholism, um, but yeah, those th- those are things that, you know, I know they're spoilers, but that that's something that needs to be called out. I, the, the, I'm sorry, that just that's something that should have been warned. Now, if you don't want further spoilers, you know, I don't know why you're still listening, but I guess now's the time to step back. Because all in all, I know a lot of the reviews that I saw for this movie panned it or did not have nice things to say. And if you're coming to this movie to learn about the life of P.L. Travers or to learn things about Walt Disney, I think the only thing that this movie will teach you about Walt Disney is that he smoked and tried to hide it from people. Because he didn't want to encourage others to have a bad habit and that he had a very rough relationship with his father. Those are true. But beyond that, I don't think you're going to learn a lot about them. Um, I'm assuming I I did not do that. The research because again, triggered about whether or not the story about P.L. Trevor's parents is true. I'm assuming it's true enough that they didn't get sued by the estate But that needed to be warned. It's a good movie. If you watch it as a movie, if you watch it just as a film about a group of creators trying to make something and remind yourself often, this is not how it really happened. And that's something that I am capable of doing. I know other people have a much harder time with that. They want True stories to be true. I think it's important to acknowledge the difference between a true story and a story that has real character names in them. This movie, for the most part, is as true as, you know, the portrayal of Tesla on Sanctuary. They got his name right, but beyond that. But it was a good film. Now... One of the things that impressed me most about this film, and I've watched a lot of movies with authors in them because it's what you do (laughs) when you're a writer. You like to watch stories that relate to you, and I've watched quite a few. And this is not, I, I will not say that this is the movie that shows what writing is like, because this is not the movie that shows what writing is like, depending on your experience with stories. When I wrote Shine Like Thunder the first time, I think the movie In the Mouth of Madness is as close to accurate for how a writer's life is. (laughs) Because I was sick and getting sicker and da-da-da-da-da. It was a dark time in my life. But the way both Walt Disney, the characters... I almost feel like I should call them Tom Hanks and Emma Thompson, but I'm not... Um, The way Walt Disney and P.L. Travers talk about writing and the care, concern, and love that they have for the characters and this idea that their characters are family. That, I felt, was the realest thing I've seen for a writer portrayed in fiction. And the way they showed P.L. Travers' relationship to Mary Poppins That Mary was, to a great extent, her attempt to save her father and to redeem her father and to redeem her family and find some redemption for herself. I think that's truer about a lot of books than most writers would be willing to admit about their fiction, that... A lot of the stories that we tell, even if they're not overt, like I think when you read Harry Potter, you can see the many relationships that J.K. Rowling had in the characters. We can see her relationship with her mother, with her once in future future ex-husband. We can see, you know, these relationships play out in that story in a way that I think you can relate to her life. I think you can do the same thing with Tolkien and Stephen King. It's really, really well with Stephen King. But I think it's there with most writers. It's about how those ideas get mythologized in their own brains and how they pop out again. And once you see the code, it's there. I don't think it's something that's necessary for understanding a story or really getting into it. But it's one of those really neat things that you can, w- once you know more about a writer, you can kind of see how their life and opinions and everything kind of developed into the personal mythology that makes it onto the page, whether they intended that or not. And I'm not saying that all stories are allegories or anything like that. I'm just saying you can see the aspects there. But there's this wonderful scene where Walt is talking to his, um, I think it's one of the writers for Mary for the movie Mary Poppins. And he talks about when somebody tried to buy Mickey from him. And he has this wonderful line where he says, and I just couldn't sell him. It would have destroyed me. It would have destroyed me to give up the mouse. And I, I feel that with my own characters. I feel that with several of my own series. like It would just destroy me to not have them in my life. To give them to somebody else in a way that meant I couldn't have them anymore. Because they mean so much to me. And that connection between the creator and their creation, I think, was, for me, the truest thing that I saw in the movie. The other true thing that I saw in the movie is how much we want our heroes to be good and decent people. You know, I grew up looking up to Walt Disney. Walt Disney, I'm from Missouri, and I say it that way because people make fun of me when I say it the right way. It's Missouri, because I'm poor. <laughs> you can tell how much money somebody grew up with who's from the state of Missouri by how they pronounce it, and also kind of where in the state they're from. If they're from the northwest side of the state, If you draw a line kind of diagonal down the middle of the state, if they're on the northwest side, Missouri becomes a little bit more popular. But when you're going to the east-south, down in here, if you have money, you grew up saying Missouri. If you didn't have money, you say Missouri. Walt was one of the people that would say Missouri. Cause he grew up poor and he was a hero of ours cause he was from our state. When my mom was in high school, he personally picked prom queen for the school. And that meant a lot to us around here. I mean, Walt Disney really means like, you don't think about Missouri. When you think about Walt Disney, you think of Florida, you think of California, but he really does mean a lot to us around here. He's in that bucket with Mark Twain. And we want our heroes to be heroes. And that's what this movie was. It was pure hagiography. This wasn't the Walt Disney that existed in real life. This is the Walt Disney we wanted to exist. This is the Walt Disney that we hoped was real. And that in some ways we need to be real, even when they're not. This is the prototypical creator. And I say this, especially now, and it's so important for us to believe this, even and especially now, when everything is owned by these corporate overlords who are consolidating and pulling everything apart, and it's really becoming a pain in the butt to do and watch anything. We still lionize Lord and Miller and the Duffer brothers and the Russo brothers, right? We we don't talk about Disney making a lot of the films that we're talking about, right? The Marvel movies and the Star Wars movies and whatnot. We talk about the Russo brothers. We talk about Lord and Miller and we lionize them for the work that they do and They may or may not deserve it. I mean, creatively, I think, yeah, they're geniuses, the work that they've been able to put out. But we need to believe that there's this pure creative place that these ideas are coming from. Because that's how we experience them, no matter how cynical they are. I mean, if you don't understand this, talk to a kid, someone who is a kid in the 80s, about Transformers or He-Man or She-Ra. There's not a more cynical buy-our-toys TV series and marketing campaign than there was for these shows. But we, as kids, accepted those stories on good faith. And we took them into our lives. We took them into our hearts. We internalized them. And we needed to believe that the people that were telling us, these stories, had the best of intentions. And that's what I see more than anything when I see Saving Mr. Banks. Saving Mr. Banks is about saving Mr. Disney. Because he was a ruthless, capitalist, corporate master. It's what he did. He worked people way too hard to make movies. He stepped on people that he felt he needed to step on to get the things that he felt he needed to get. He was ruthless. But in the end of the day, we think about how much Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and Snow White and all of the wonderful movies that we got from him, the characters, the Mickey Mouse, the Goofy, Donald and Daisy Duck. How much those mean to us. And deep down inside, we need to believe, even if it's not true, we need to believe that Walt Disney was that man that we see in the movie. This is the hagiography of Walt Disney, this is the canonization of Walt Disney where we're going to polish off the rougher edges and say, look at what a good man he was and all the joy he brought into people's lives. Maybe we shouldn't do that with our heroes. But instinctively, we want it. And we get a a thrill out of seeing it done. This movie really did affect me and made me feel a lot of things. If you haven't seen Saving Mr. Banks and you've gotten this far, I'm not saying it's going to change your life, but I did really enjoy it. I found it very well done. It was written well. It was acted well. It, it, it made me laugh. It made me cry. It made me smile at the end. And it's hard for a movie to actually give me an emotional response. So if you haven't checked it out, check it out. If you haven't already rated this podcast, please do so. That helps out a lot. If you've got a buck you can pass my way down, well, I say down, in the show notes, wherever the show notes are in the app you're listening to me, you'll find a link to both my Patreon and the community support page. Um, The difference between the two is on Patreon, there are occasionally things that I give away to my patrons. But if you could join the project for as little as a dollar a month, it really does help out a lot. And I thank you to everybody who does do that. If you don't have the money, I understand. But if you think you know somebody that might like this podcast, please do share it with them. That means a lot to me as well. Remember, yeah, the money's nice. I like to pay bills, but I I do do this for the conversation. I like to talk to y'all, and I hope you like to listen. And I want to be able to have more conversation. You can hit me up. On Twitter, on Instagram, I'm cedwerson on both. Don't forget, there'll be a link in the show notes for a voice message. You can send in a question, a comment, a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show. And keep it clean so I can use it. And Wednesday, we're actually going to have one of those episodes, and I'm really looking forward to it. Everything else, you can find links to everything else I do over at projectshadow.com. So until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.